she walked into my office on the verge of tears. Her work uniform told me that she was successful, that she cared, that her job was simply an extension of her own heart. I greeted her. She greeted me. But before I could sit down, she said, Jared, how do you do it? How do you stay positive and keep us going as she dissolved into a puddle? She adjusted her glasses and wiped her tears and began explaining her life. A complicated family situation. A broken childhood. She talked about the people that she loves, her medical history, and a deep-seated depression that caused her to want to take her own life at one point. Here's what she doesn't know. Just a few short years ago, a fleeting thought drifted through my mind and got hung up like a plastic bag on a barbed wire fence. Rattling and flapping, becoming more entangled and fixed as the wind blew. The thought was this, Jared, you hurt everybody around you. The world would be a better place if you would just take yourself out of the equation. For two days, I wrestled with this thought. I wandered around it, in it, out of it, through it, questioning the validity of the statement, asking if it were true. I wondered if the world would breathe a sigh of relief in my absence. Would the world really be better off without me? I mean, really? I couldn't find any peace in my heart. Others seemed very happy doing their jobs, being with their kids, watching TV, doing stuff, but I was not. I remember, I was standing in the barn. I had been uncharacteristically quiet for a couple of days. I didn't want to talk or listen to anybody. I didn't want to fix or feel this way anymore. I just wanted the mental spin to stop all the words, all the thoughts, all the obligations, the guilt of my sin, the responsibility of my morals, all of it. I was sad. I was broken. I was depressed. I never questioned the existence of God. My question was different. I love the Lord, but what the hell does he want from me, she said. <laughs> I laughed, not because it was funny, but because it was familiar. The same things that make you laugh will make you cry. She's powerful. She's smart. She's an instructor. She's in charge. She's busy. But like the contractor who paints houses for a living, he painted the front of his own house five years ago and has painted a hundred houses since, but never finished his own. She's like the doctor who walks in and tells the man in the room he needs to lose some weight, make healthier eating choices, limit himself to one drink in the evening, writes a script, closes the door, and sneaks out back to light a cigarette and daydreams as he smokes about getting home to drink himself numb. She's important. Her phone kept ringing. She obviously holds the world together for many people, yet somehow hers is falling apart. I had become that preacher who offers comfort, support, and advice to whoever walks through the door, but I never got a single ounce of comfort from my own words. I left the barn. I marched into the house. 
I grabbed my gun, and I headed into the woods. I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know what I wanted. But something had to change. But of all the things I didn't know, one thing I knew for sure. I wanted those I love the most to be beside me right now. My friends, my wife, my dad, I want them here. I want them to see just how far I've gone, just how fragile I am. Where are they? Why aren't they here? Why aren't they here to rescue me from me? How do they not see this? Why didn't God tell them? Why aren't they here? But even before I could finish firing off my questions into the sky, I knew the answer, and I hated it. Vulnerability, she said, with a slight roll of her eyes. <laughs> yes, the act of confiding in somebody, opening up to others. Building community. It's, it's venturing out and bravely telling those you trust where you are in your life, in your mind, in your heart, being yourself. Whether that's broken, sad, happy, silly, letting others truly know you. That's not happening. I said it. Standing alone on the creek bank, arguing with myself on the edge of the woods. That's not happening. I figured I shouldn't have to tell people around me that I'm struggling. They should know. I shouldn't have to say it. If they loved me, if they knew me, if they were not so self-consumed. And then a statement from somewhere outside of me broke through my chaos. It thundered into my head like a close-range shot to the chest from a handgun. There is no search and rescue team. The noise in my mind stopped. That's true, I thought. It is unfair to put all of this on others. There is no search and rescue team. When I heard that, something amazing happened. It's the weirdest thing. I saw a glimmer of hope. It was just a glint, like something shiny in the distance. It was like the shadow of a large bird that glides across the grass. But when you look up towards the sky, the sun blinds you, and you never see the bird. It was like that. It was that elusive creature called peace. You have to talk to others about your pain, I said. You have to rely on others. She sighed deeply and mumbled something about not trusting people. I said, you walked in here and you asked me, how do you do it? How do you stay positive and keep us going? Here's my answer. I don't. I explained. Life is too heavy to carry alone. It's too much for any one person to bear. We weren't made that way. Talking to others, spending time with trusted friends, sharing your pain, asking others to carry your burden for just a moment so that you can breathe deep again, that's how we're made, I told her. I remember I walked out of the woods that day and I put my gun away. I called a friend. And I said those weird words that were rolling around in my head. He said, I'll be out in a minute. A few minutes later, he knocked on the door. It couldn't have been but a ten-minute drive to my house. But somehow, in the course of 
the six or seven miles that he traveled, he managed to unravel all of the knots that I had so meticulously tied in my head. Your problem, he said, is you spend so much time taking care of other people that once your phone stops ringing and there's nobody left to help, you don't know what to do. You don't know how to just be okay. I'm just so tired of crying, she said. It's constant. And then I asked her, what do you do for fun? (laughs) All the emotions and the feelings in the room froze and fell to the floor. Her head, it, it tilted sideways like when you whistle at a puppy. She stuttered, well, I'm like, uh, how do you mean? Fun, I said. How do you have it? How do you treat your soul? How do you care for yourself? Who do you go spend time with? Who are your people? What is your thing? Without family, away from work, what do you do for fun? The words must have gone off like a shotgun blast because the room was silent. It had been so long since she had been surrounded by people who didn't need her that she forgot how to be a person. She had spent so much time turning into a miserable martyr that she forgot how to be a peaceful person. And in her eyes, I could see that she caught a glimpse of that same thing I saw. That thing that she had not seen for a very long time. On one hand, I was furious to hear this guy carve me up about I don't know what to do when the phone stops ringing. But the truth is, he was right. And I knew it. It was that simple. But it was hidden from me. And purposefully, I imagine. I think that was God's way of driving me back into the herd. His way of reminding me that there really are no lone rangers. Her voice had completely changed. It was once cracky and weak. But now it was curious. It was hopeful, inquisitive. It was calm. She then began making a verbal list. Naming off all the things that lit her up. Every single one of them broke her face into a smile. A smile laced with a new determination. I started dreaming again after he said that. I thought the trail had gone cold. But in that moment, I saw his footprints. He left perfect tracks across the snowy tundra of my frigid heart. Peace wasn't extinct. Peace wasn't dead. It wasn't even endangered. It's just elusive. He is elusive. And like a hawk mounted on a power line, I realized I have to constantly be scanning and surveying the landscape for every good and perfect thing in hopes to catch a trace of him. (laughs) She stood up, she hugged me, and she asked, could I come back sometime? And then she left. The world has more beautiful things in it then it has ugly things. 
and he closed the door and left my house. I laughed out loud a little. The years that I spent in my head, the two days I spent in the barn, the time I spent in the woods, the private pain, the feelings of weaknesses, some, somehow he wadded it all up like a gum wrapper, put it in his pocket, and left. I sat down on the couch in silence. But I wasn't alone. Another presence was there, too. He entered characteristically quiet and sat down. He didn't speak, neither did I. Somehow I just understood that by its very nature, by his very nature, peace requires peace, like people require people. When we feel like a boat, being rocked by waves and tossed about by all our thoughts, sometimes he steps into the hull, squinting through wet eyelids, and he commands it all to be still, and it is. When we feel like the demon-possessed man in Scripture screaming at the top of his lungs like a crazy man, my name is Legion, for inside of me are many. He doesn't retract in fear. Sometimes he breaks our chains right then and frees us from our demons. When we feel like the adulterous woman covered in the sweat of our many lovers, sometimes he draws near to us immediately. And he says, where are your accusers? I do not condemn you either. Leave your life of sin. But sometimes, he ascends from sight, leaving us standing, staring up into the sky. In those times, we must start looking for the clues. We must focus our vision. We have to watch for the breadcrumb trail that he leaves for us on that narrow way because he's doing something different now. He's bringing us to a place of full dependency on him, to a place of humility, to a place where we have to ask for help. And then he uses people like us, faulty fishermen, erotic nurses, porn-addicted pastors, controlling coaches and political pinheads, tactless teachers, and moronic mechanics. So to you, who have spent cold nights alone wondering how others make it look so easy, to those of you who know the futility of keeping other people's worlds together while yours falls apart, and to those of you who are tired of holding a loaded gun in one hand in a bucket full of prideful excuses in the other. There is no search and rescue team. Step out of the woods, for we are all the same.